Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm. And Super Talk TV. College baseball has a weekend in the books, so college baseball is back. We had a huge basketball game in the Magnolia State. The uh, the name of the game this time of year, even though we are not into elimination style tournament play, you're on the bubble with survive and advance or survive and hold on. And Mississippi State did that on Saturday afternoon in Oxford. We got winners and losers coming up. We've got our first Monday of the season with the head coaches. Scott Barry from Southern Miss in just a few minutes. Chris Lamonis from Mississippi State. Mike Bianco from Ole Miss all coming up this afternoon. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can visit them online at PearlRiverResort.com. The way for you to be a part of the conversation is on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, and that is right here in Seaspire country. Seaspire dot com slash business. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. Haydad is back from his uh, vacation last week. Good to uh, see you again, my friend. You feeling okay? Yeah, well, Everything all right? I, yes, I'm feeling better. Yes, vacation. That's one way to describe it. Is, is that not the uh, proper way to describe you, you didn't feel great last week, did you? No, no, I did not. I did not. So, you, you, uh, you were but yeah, I'm glad me and the family of uh, not a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, we've all we've all turned it around. So, good for you, good for you, Michael Borky. What's up? Oh, just watched a ton of baseball, and it didn't ruin uh, my day, which was amazing. And what I mean by that is, take Sunday for example. Mm-hmm. I was able to go to church, yeah, watch a baseball game in its entirety, mm-hmm. go for a run when it was over, play outside for an hour and a half with the little guy, have dinner, give him a bath. All before 7.30. Michael Borky saying, I think if I'm reading between the lines correctly, big fan of the new pace of play yes. rules in college I mean, baseball. Th- th- last year, there were college baseball games that would ru- y- you would have to commit your entire day to them. Wasn't the case this weekend. I know there's going to be some growing pains and some adjustments, I assume, 
You're going to ask all three coaches about their thoughts. We've already heard from Mike Bianco on it at his opening press conference. Basically, it was adapt or die. It's the rule. We're going to adjust, and that's all you can do. So I assume the other two are going to be that way. Other prominent names in the sport, not not so much. But I understand that there's some of it that w- was a little wonky. And the players are going to adjust to it. Guys were throwing mm-hmm. pitches sooner than they even had to with the clock. It, it felt like they were rushing a little bit when they didn't have to. They had a little bit more time. But when a baseball game that has 13 runs in it is still clocking in under three hours, it's a win. It is a win. And this weekend was the most enjoyable regular season non-conference baseball game games that I've ever watched since I've lived here, that I have ever watched. Yeah, it was um, it was noticeable. Like, I mean, the, the, the pace moved along quickly, even when you had pitching changes and you had runs that were scored and all of those things. Ole Miss got a sweep this weekend of Delaware. They won 11-2 to on Friday afternoon. That game went nine innings. Uh, they won 10 nothing on Saturday. I think that one ended in the eighth, and then yesterday, 14-4, to and that one ended in the uh, in the seventh inning. So uh, a couple of shortened games. Mississippi State wins on Friday, 11-2. to Saturday is a game that we're going to have to talk about a little bit. Mississippi State was ahead 10-1 to against VMI. They ended up losing the game 14-13, and there were a lot of kind of self-inflicted wounds in that loss. A lot of walks. Uh, there are a lot of stolen bases allowed over the course of the weekend, some errors that were costly for, uh, for Mississippi State. Bulldogs bounced back, though. They had a relatively close game yesterday into, what, the sixth, seventh inning, and then they kind of blew it open, and they went at – uh, nine to two, so a uh, a sweep for, or excuse me, a series win for Mississippi State, two out of three, a sweep for Southern Miss. They uh, hosted Liberty. Liberty is a team that has picked to win the Atlantic Sun. Some lower scoring games this weekend for uh, for Southern Miss, but they uh, they got three wins, three to nothing, two to one, and then seven to two in the uh, series finale. Great crowds everywhere, right? Uh, I mean, we talked about it on uh, on Thursday. What we expected to see. Ole Miss had nearly 12,000 paid attendance on Friday. Saturday was about 11,500, and then yesterday over 10,000. Mississippi State was maybe just a touch smaller on Friday, but huge crowds over 12,000 on Saturday. And then um, I I didn't even look at the box score yesterday, but uh, what appeared to be another big crowd and what I watched of that game yesterday. And then great crowds for Southern Miss this weekend in all three as well. They played a two and a half hour baseball game in Hattiesburg. A two and a half hours! And it, it's again, I, I had all three up, which watching three baseball games is really hard to do. You end up just not watching anything. It's just kind of like a blur. But it didn't, it, it, like Hunter said on the text line, it didn't feel much different. It still felt like baseball. It didn't feel like Southern Miss and Liberty were just speeding through it as fast as they could. It still felt like baseball. There just weren't many runs scored. It was a it was an efficient baseball game that they won, which of course is is awesome. But two and a half hours is all it took, and it didn't really watch differently. Hey, did you ever pull up a podcast and you can listen to it in real time, and it sounds about right? But if you slow it down to .75, it's like, what are we doing? Even though it's not that much slower, it feels like it's ridiculously slow. But on the flip side of that, if you 
fast forward it or, or you, you choose the setting where it like the, the speakers play at, at 1.5, they're talking like this the whole time and you feel like it, like it's all just a rush and you can't soak it in. Kind of felt like what we got this weekend was baseball at the pace that it should be played. It's, it's so funny the difference between me and Borky because as we talked about last week before I was out, you know, that I'm not one that worries about the time of sports. I know we're going to talk about that today with football as well. You know, I just I go to the game and I'm just at the game and it doesn't bother me or I'm watching the game and, and the times don't bother me. So I didn't really notice this big difference in terms of, of the time of the game. You know, I just, it just felt like the game was flowing as it normally does. So, uh, if, if you're a person who had a problem, with the time of these games, like Michael does, good. I'm glad you know we got something going there that makes fans want to you know be be part of baseball a little bit more. But my guess is the average fan who watches a lot, who consumes a lot of college baseball, and is a big fan of the sport of baseball in general, was probably just like me and didn't really notice the times as much. And and you know, I, so I went to two of the three. I say I went to two of the three games. I went to the first four or five innings of the the Friday game. Uh, I took. Francis and Obi, uh, we went as a family yesterday, but we didn't get there until like the fourth inning, and, and we kind of stayed through the end. Um, the, the umpiring crew in Oxford did not operate as the Gestapo, right? They were, they were not like these nasty, mean enforcers. Here, here's the example I would give you. We heard about the two-minute and 30-second pitching change clock. Guy comes in from the bullpen there was a guy from Delaware yesterday who had zero on the two-and-a-half-minute clock, but in terms of the number of pitches he had remaining during his warm-up slot, he had one left. And the umpire let him take his last pitch to finish his warm-ups, and the batter comes in, and it gets going. I, I, I guess I say that to say that it seemed like it was like there was common sense that was used in the process of everybody kind of getting used to these new rules. Uh, Jim Schlossnagel at Texas A&M took great umbrage to baseball's the only game where we change the year, the rules every year. This is ridiculous. It's unfair to the players, to the coaches, and to the umpires. Um, I, I, who might argue that the way you played the game previously was kind of unfair to the fans? Yeah. Um, it, 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 was, it was not a good product. Dave Van Horn didn't seem to love it from Arkansas. Oh, he, I mean, he said it was ruining the game, and uh, ironically, he said that after they got dominated, which I'm sure he thinks that regardless of the outcome. But the timing of that statement was probably not not, not the best timing there. Schlossnagel cracks me up, though, because uh, great minds think alike. I, I screenshotted what he said and shared it last night and said, there's a word missing. Does anybody know what, what word is missing when he talks about what's unfair? He didn't say fans. Hmm. Because their style, we've talked about it before, their style of play last year was garbage. Garbage. It should not take 45 seconds to a minute to throw one pitch. It shouldn't take 45 seconds to a minute between swings for the batter. And that's what they did routinely. They played over four-hour baseball games multiple times a week, every week. Like The lack of self-awareness to say, Jim, you are why this is happening. You are the example for why they needed to change this. But, oh well. They'll adjust and they'll be fine. He's too good of a coach and his team is too talented to not be very good. But that's the reason they're doing it is his team's style of play. 
This Monday, it is a baseball bonanza. We'll ton of, talk a, a ton of college baseball, and we're going to do that with Scott Barry on the Farm Bureau guest line on the other side of this timeout. Again, a sweep for Southern Miss in Hattiesburg this weekend. Three to nothing, two to one, and seven to two. Scott Barry joins us coming up next. Just getting started with you on this Monday at Sports Talk Mississippi. Place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. First time this year is a Baseball Monday. We are glad to be with you. We are glad that college baseball is back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. We're going to the Farm Bureau guest line for our first interview of the regular season with Scott Barry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. His team gets a sweep. Coach, it must have been a pretty good weekend because Dan in Hattiesburg, who is a big Southern Miss fan, sends us a text message and it says the only problem in Hattiesburg this weekend was that they sold out of peanuts. If that was the only problem on opening weekend, it's a pretty good start to the year. Well, it really was, Richard. I had three days of great crowds. We had just a little less than 16,000 people over the three days. Um, so, you know, we're very happy with the attendance and certainly the outcome of of winning three games against a quality program like Liberty Flames uh, have been the last couple of years. So what about starting pitching this weekend? You, you go Tanner Hall in game one, he gives you, you five innings. You, you go Matt Adams in game two, he gives you five innings. Yesterday I think you got five and a third from, uh, from Nico Mazza. So in, in terms of what you wanted to get going into the weekend, how did you feel about those three guys? Oh, I thought uh, certainly the plan came together just like we uh, we wanted it to. Sometimes, obviously, it doesn't, but those guys covered their innings like like we needed them to. We had outstanding relief pitching. You know, on the weekend we only used eight uh, eight people out of uh, on our staff, and uh, Justin Storm we used him both Friday and and Sunday. But you know, only using eight guys in the three weekends, uh, you know, is a great thing. But on the, on the same hand, uh, you know, there's a lot of unknowns still on our staff that we need to get out there and see what they're all about. Guy that was a new name to me who you, you leaned on for a while in relief on uh, on Saturday, Cross Sively. Uh, tell me a little bit about him. Eight strikeouts in four innings in what, if, if I'm not crazy, was his Southern Miss debut. It really was. Red shirt freshman uh, that, uh, you know, had okay fall, Richard, in all honesty, and uh, came back from Christmas break and just had a whole new look about him in, in the bullpen. And Christian Ostrander, our pitching coach, you know, each, each bullpen and, and even our pre preseason scrimmages, you could tell that this guy had a chance to, to help us. And, you know, even going into last weekend scrimmages, um, you know, you could tell that, you know, we're going to have to use this guy. And so there on, on Saturday, in relief of Adams, he, he took over in the sixth. And like you said, he went four innings and gave up three hits and no runs and punched out eight and only walked one and, and was really just dominant in his first college game and, and got his first college win there in that game. Scott, we talked about all the the returning faces for you in terms of position players, lineup guys, but you had a new guy that was at the top of the order and played center field for you and and Matthew Etzel. Tell me a little bit about what what you saw from him and maybe anybody else that kind of really stood out for you at the plate this weekend. 
Well, Edsel's going to lead off for us. Uh, really, really good talent, Richard. He's a uh, big, tall, left-handed hitter. Covers the outfield as easy as anybody that we've had in this program. I know in the 23 years now that I've been here, he just makes it look really, really easy. Uh, really quick out of the box. Had two doubles on, on the weekend. Uh, I honestly, I really believe he'll he'll break the doubles record for for a single season. It's 31 held by Bill Selby, a pretty good player. Yeah. But Epsil just he has that knack to get out of that box and is tremendously fast from first to second. So he uh, he's a very nice player. He's number one ranked junior college transfer by D1 Baseball this year out of Panola, Texas Junior College out in East Texas. So uh, really, really like him, and I think our fans are going to uh, to learn to like him really, really soon. Um, Dustin Dickerson, you know, I thought Dick, you know, he really played well. He he stayed within himself at the plate and uh, didn't try to do too much. And for that, had a couple of doubles and a triple, and played really good defensively. Made a couple of really nice plays there. He uh, was in and four double plays that we turned in the three games. So those two guys had uh, had a really good weekend, as did our catcher, Blake Johnson, uh, who played both Friday and Saturday, started. I brought him in late yesterday, pinch hit him, and, and then uh, let him take us to the end there defensively. But I thought those three guys had real nice games, nice I, weekends. I'm, I'm just kind of stuck on something you said about Etzel. You said in your entire time at, at Southern Miss, he covers the outfield in, from that center field spot as well as anybody that's been there. And You've had some pretty good center fielders along the way. I know that's tough for me to say, but uh, yeah, I said it, and I've been saying it for a while, honestly, because I've been watching this young man in, in the fall and, and and do what he does out there, and he's just got another gear about him. I think he's really quick on on his first step, but but all of a sudden it's just like there's a there's a second gear that kicks in about halfway to that ball, and just like yesterday, uh, he caught a ball up against the right center field wall that he kind of had to jump and lean on the wall with his with his foot to get up there. What he didn't take anything away, but easily that could have been a, a double off the wall or even a triple had he not had the proper backup. But you know he made the play look really easy. So he's uh, he's a fun player to uh, to watch play. He he works real hard at the game every day before practice, during practice, and after. And certainly he's rewarded for his hard work. Visiting with Scott Barry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. They get the sweep this weekend over Liberty. And I, I mentioned in the first segment of the show today, that's a team that's picked to win the uh, the A-Sun this year. So when when we talk about scheduling, and you know, I'm kind of looking at the, the first month of the season, right? It's it's different non-conference play from conference play. So you start with Liberty, who's a good team. you got Illinois this weekend coming up out of, out of the Big Ten. You got Mississippi State in a non-conference game. A couple of weeks away, you got Ole Miss in a non-conference game. You get Dallas Baptist. What was, what was your plan, Scott, when you put this schedule together in terms of of challenging you, learning about your team, et cetera, before you get to league play? Well, I think one thing that I've learned uh, in this scheduling and, and trying to build a resume for that ten-person committee. To uh, to look at at the end of the year when if if you're not fortunate enough to win your conference tournament and get the automatic bid, then there's uh, you know there's only 33 at large bids and, and you want to have a resume that they look at it and say yeah they've done what they needed to do they've played the schedule the strength of schedule that they need to play um, the RPI teams uh, are there and they you give give them no reason to leave you out obviously you have to win. Uh, 
a lot of those games as well. Yeah. But, you know, if you're not playing those kind of opponents and you still get the wins, uh, you're not going to get the points for consideration there at the end. So, no, there, I think there's one thing that um, I'm not afraid to do, and that's to schedule tough because I know that's what we have to do in the situation that we're in if we want to be considered there at the end. This was the first weekend with new clock rules in, in place, and I know it's still kind of strange to talk about clock rules when we're talking about the game of baseball. What, what did you think? How did it affect you? Did it, did it help the flow of the game? Was it a good thing overall? You know, there wasn't one violation in the three days with us. Now, I've okay. talked to other people across the country where they did have uh, a few violations with it. Obviously, out there in Globe Life, if you follow Twitter, you see that there were some really big moments where guys got punched out uh, with runners on base for the third out and, and not good situations that that rule needs to come into play. But, you know, I just think it's a rule. Richard, that we all have to adjust and we have to adapt to. I mean, there's no arguing the rule. It is what it is, and you better figure it out and not be hard-headed about it or you're going to get penalized for it. But we didn't have any violations uh, this year Now we or this past weekend. But I will tell you, uh, we were very close at times, and so was Liberty. And so going forward, we're going to try to improve on that so that we, we are not in violation in these upcoming games. So It'll be interesting. We did not have a clock on the wall, uh, so that, that does make it challenging because you're relying on, on me, who is, has, has a stopwatch, and I need to be in sync with that third base umpire who's the guy that's, uh, that's keeping the time. So without a clock, it's kind of challenging. So uh, you know, we just got to make sure that we get our signs and get everything done quickly and, and get ourselves moving in the flow of the game. I will tell you, it's nice to hear you say, you know, We've just got to deal with it and move on as opposed to, well, there's a word I'm probably not supposed to say on the radio. I'll just say complaining about it like uh, some coaches are, are choosing to do. So uh, hopefully it's a good thing overall. Uh, final 30 seconds. Um, what what'd you learn about your team this weekend? Is the sample size big enough to say, okay, I, I know this now and I didn't know it a week ago? I think it's still ongoing, Richard. You know, okay. what we preach here is a game by game approach and I think our guys stuck to that approach. I think they they made themselves a great opportunity after Saturday's game winning the series, but a lot of times teams become complacent with just doing that and they fall in that trap by social media saying, Hey, we won the series, but you know, there's a greater thing and that's sweeping the series and you have to stay committed to that. I felt like that our guys in a seven to two win yesterday did just that. So I'm very proud of the, the game by game by game approach that they took in achieving what we set out to do. And that was to win every game. And you know, that's your plan and that's every coach's plan, uh, every weekend that they take it. So, uh, I'm proud there. Everything else is going to be a work in progress as, as we continue through, to go through this season. We got a lot of guys that still have to, we have to get out there and test the waters with. So they'll get their opportunities in these upcoming weeks. Great start to the year. Thanks for your time. Look forward to visiting with you each uh, each Monday throughout the season, Scott. I always look forward to it. Thank you. That's Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. Three games, three wins. Hard to do, to do much better than that. That's what they pulled off on the opening weekend. And uh, stay put, I think, at number 18 in D1 Baseball's new top 25 that is out after their opening weekend sweep. We'll be back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. 
on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Check them out online again. Favorites.com. Go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Love that answer, by the way, on the clock change question. It, didn't that say a lot? So we'll hear it from Lamonis too. I don't know what his take on it is. I watched his opening press conference. I don't remember him being asked about it. It was a long one, though, so I may have missed it. Um, but c- compare what you just heard, what we know Mike Bianco thinks about it, and how they handled it this weekend, as opposed to Tony Vitello and how his team handled it this weekend. I mean, you watched a player completely lose his composure over a rule that he should know. And the umpire looked at him like, hey, what do you want, kid, what do you want me to do? Should have just run him, honestly. Kid should have gotten kicked out of the game for acting like that. But d- didn't you notice a difference hearing that? A, a per- one of the more consistent programs in the country. Every year, Southern Miss, good, steady, solid, stable. And Scott Barry's like, well, I complain. What would I get out of that? We got to adapt. They don't have a clock in the outfield, which makes it tougher. So I got to keep a stopwatch. And we got to, well, what else can I do? Mike Bianco, we're, we're going to figure it out. That's what we got to do. Hunter, Hunter Elliott gave up a strike in a preseason scrimmage because of it. <laughs> so we we got to figure it out. Because if we don't, we're going to lose. And then you saw the complaints from Sauce Nagel yeah, and Van Horn, the, who are good coaches, great coaches. The, but the Tennessee game was against, what, Arizona on Friday night. You had mm-hmm. a player that was asking for time. It was time, time, time. And then he got really animated about it. To his credit... Once he realized he finally wasn't getting getting in the pitch was coming, he loaded up, watched a pitch that sailed out of the zone, and took his base. Now, he didn't do it without turning around and saying something to the umpire, but... Yeah, flipped know. his bat, turned and yelled at the umpire. Yeah. Go figure. No uh, composure, man. The, the, the three coaches we have in this state will probably all give similar answers to what Coach Barry gave, and if we were the uh, if we were Sports Talk Tennessee, we would probably get a different opinion. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I think you are uh, <laughs> well, you are correct about that. Um, there's a reason that Chris Lamonis has a national championship and Mike Bianco has a national championship and Tennessee got run in their home Super Regional last year. Maybe there's a reason for that. I don't know. Anecdotal evidence, but evidence nonetheless. Let's, uh, let's set baseball on the shelf for a little while. There was an incredibly consequential game on Saturday on the hardwood in Oxford. Uh, it was it was only consequential for one of the two teams. N- nothing would have or could have changed for Ole Miss other than just feeling a little bit better about itself. And, and potentially feeling good about knocking its in-state rival out of the postseason. Yeah. It's fun to play spoiler. Um, but it was a... Massive game of consequence for Mississippi State. Uh, 2.30 tip-off at the Pavilion. And you might argue that it was a game that set college basketball back a touch. 
It was uh, the, the the shooting performances were not were not great. Although Mississippi State, when it was all said and done, ended up shooting forty six percent from the field. They were three of eighteen from behind the arc for sixteen point seven percent. Ole Miss was three of twenty two from behind the arc for thirteen point six percent, and the Rebels shot just thirty two percent from the field. Mississippi State got the win in overtime. 69-61. couple of things. Tolu Smith, big game, 17-12. and Deshaun Davis, not a great game, but he took over at the end and in overtime and made some huge buckets for Mississippi State. If you want to say the five minutes of overtime, I'd say in the last, what, eight minutes of the game? Mm-hmm. He, he really raised his level of play. DJ Jeffries hit a shot that um, previously had only been seen in the Larry Bird-Michael Jordan horse commercials. <laughs> was that McDonald's that they were it advertising? Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like, off the top corner of the backboard bank, nothing but net. Oh, yeah. well, okay then. Shot clock winding down, fade away from the corner, in overtime, hit the top corner of the backboard, and banks it in nothing but net. You're not supposed to be able to do that. But he did. I thought, I thought the, uh, the play-by-play guy said it right. He said you could practice that shot a thousand times and never hit one. Yeah. yeah. He's right. One of a, yeah. a couple. You, you couldn't. All right, so so in terms of what the game meant, it was huge for Mississippi State, right? They had to win that basketball game. They could not have that loss on their resume at this point of the season when it comes to net, when it comes to being a bubble team, and so they are very much still a bubble team, and they're kind of in hang-on-for-dear-life mode. That said, their game tomorrow night in Missouri is huge, huge, and it's not just huge for Mississippi State. It's big for Missouri also, who has lost two games in a row and who has a net ranking that is eight spots behind Mississippi State's 43. They're at 51 in the net, mm-hmm. although seemingly more comfortably in the field right now, as projected by Joe Lenardi, than Mississippi State is. Yeah, which is one of the great mysteries. I, 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 I'm sure it'll all work itself out there in the end. But the state has two quad one opportunities now. Texas A&M has, has climbed into the top 30 which means if they, they stay there, Saturday's game is a quad one game for them as well. They got to split this, this week. You know, two and oh, obviously, two and oh would probably, you're in, I think, at that point. Yes. But one and one keeps you, keeps you on the track. Um, and I, I don't really know which game to, to, to tell you that I think state has the better chance in. I think A&M's the better team than Missouri, but that game's in Starkville versus playing in Columbia where Missouri's been really good this year. Um, but you mentioned Missouri. These last two games for them have been bad. Uh, a team that averages <clears throat> well over 80 points a game, uh, 56 points, I believe, against Auburn, and only 60 against Texas A&M. And, of course, when they played State a few weeks ago, they only scored 52. Um, here's a stat for you. I, I was not aware of this until uh, State played Missouri last time. And I forgot to bring it up here on the show, but State's won 12 of the last 13 against Missouri. Mm. What a weird series to dominate for Mississippi State, but they've just had Missouri's number. Howland had it. And now Jans is one and zero against them. So this is a big game. Obviously, you're on the call up there. So you know, looking forward to hearing from you tomorrow. I know you won't be on the show the full time, but after you see shoot around, what, what do you think of that game? Because this is a 
This is a game where if State wins, they can maybe for the first time all year feel a little bit of comfort that they're going to get in if they just take care of their business the rest of the way. What do you guys think about Saturday? Borky, I, you you made yourself watch it. Uh, yeah, that's that's one way to put it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Anybody who watched that game, even the biggest state fan, made themselves watch it because that was not what Dr. Naismith was thinking of when he created Or maybe it was. Maybe it was what he was thinking of with the peach basket. Yeah, that more closely resembled his basketball than, than modern <laughs> basketball today. Yeah. But they know yeah. that was almost a, a devastating blow. And look, after the Kentucky loss, I did see some state fans saying things like, this is why we never get up for basketball, because they always lose every time we do. And it's like, you lost to Kentucky, man. In year one, with a brand new coach and a roster that is missing some pieces to be a complete team, and you were still on the right side of the tournament. Don't you? And oh, by the way, a Kentucky team who was backed into a corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And has, by the way, found their way. Uh, K- Kentucky is seemingly, <laughs> seemingly. starting to, to peak at the right time. Wouldn't be the first time that they've done something like that. But this game would have been that. If you'd have lost to this old Miss team, that I would have understood the the angst. And it was almost there. But that's college basketball, right? It's... I was talking with with a state fan friend of mine, and he was like, but it just looked so bad. Like, they didn't play well against Kentucky, and then they they played bad against Ole Miss. I don't think they're going to make it. And my response was, they may not. You know, they've got difficult games ahead. They are very much, uh, despite being on the right side of the bubble today, it's close, and it may not happen. But basketball's weird. And if you just win road games in conference, regardless of who it's against, you should be okay. Like, like You should feel okay. You went up there... You played like crap, you shot like crap, had a chance to lose. Ole Miss had one of the worst final possessions that you have ever seen, and and you won. And that's all that matters. It's just you won, and now you get an opportunity tomorrow night against Missouri. That's literally the only thing that matters. And that's a Missouri team you've already beaten. You saw talked earlier about baseball, and you used the term self-inflicted. Self-inflicted was it was almost self-inflicted Saturday for Mississippi State. Nineteen turnovers. I give Kermit Davis a lot of credit. He obviously had a good defensive game plan. I could stop blaming Ben Howland for not being able to solve the one-three-one because Ole Miss threw it at this team and it gave them a lot of trouble. Uh, and that's a big reason why Ole Miss was leading for most of the game is because State just kept giving them the you know giving the ball away. Um, so I thought they had a good game plan, but luckily State was able to f- figure some things out. And and get get the you know get those possessions when they needed them, but you know you look at the stat sheet outside of turnovers and you would think state won by you know twenty five points, but then you look at that one stat and you think okay that, now we know why it was close. Ole Miss turned it over only eight times in the game. They have thirteen steals, and I, I was not able to watch the entire game, but I know that they really pulled the one three one out at the end and kind of turned up the pressure on that and made it tough for Mississippi State. Bulldogs get the win. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi.
Ride with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Monday afternoon. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. You know, we maybe we were unfair. I don't think so, but maybe we were unfair in not giving the defenses more credit on Saturday. I mean, I mean, State's played good defense all year, and like I said, I think Ole Miss had a really good defensive game plan, but at the same time, you know, Ole Miss was sort of the carbon copy of what they were when they played here in Starville. You remember that game, Richard. You talked about it a great deal, that they had a lot of good looks and just couldn't hit. I thought Ole Miss had some good looks. They just, they just, they just not a good shooting team. Um, And then for State, I mean, they just could never get settled into a rhythm to make shots with the way Ole Miss was disrupting them. There are a lot of Ole Miss fans right now that are are so frustrated with basketball that there's really only one line of reasoning that's coming from them, and it's, you know, fire Kermit. That's all you hear. I, I, I get that. Um but I do think that they're like when you look at this team and you, you see the number of close games that they have played in. And you try to figure out wh- why. Why are they losing every game that seemingly they are in late? And I think there are a couple of things that you can, you can look at. So, like an actual diagnosis, maybe, of what's going on. Number one, they're not a good shooting team, right? I mean, you you got to have guys that make shots, and at no point this season have you looked at Ole Miss and go, you know what, that's a really good shooting team. They're just cold, and they're going to figure it out. It's not a good shooting team. Yeah, a couple of good, okay shooters, but in terms of being a team that can go out and can consistently shoot 43% from the field and 30 5% from three? Nope, not even close. That's number one. But then number two, Mark Dukes is the uh, the radio analyst for Ole Miss alongside David Kellum, and I, I heard him talking about this, I think it was against Florida the other night. Ole Miss was in that game against Florida with a couple of minutes to go until the half. Like, close, maybe even had a lead. And then they had a drought, right? They, they, they couldn't score in the last couple of minutes of the half. They've had that happen over and over and over at the ends of halves and at the ends of games, going into a, a drought at the worst possible time. Think about the Vanderbilt game. That's a game that I called so a couple of weeks ago. And it's a... One-point game with two and a half minutes to play. And Vanderbilt proceeds to go on a 10-0 run, and now it's an 11-point game. Now you remember at the end of that one, Ole Miss hit a couple of threes, and they made it close, and back and forth, and fouling, and they get the backdoor cover at the end, and all that stuff. But the fact is, they went two minutes, unable to stop the opponent, and unable to score, and it was game over. And, and so the question is why, right? Why, why is it the last two or three or four minutes of the half and the last two or three or four minutes of a game where they struggle so badly? Now, this is where I like put myself on the edge a little bit of like, okay, he might be revealing that he doesn't have that much basketball knowledge. And, and I will, okay, 
Fair. But to me, the last two minutes of a half and the last two minutes of a game are the times of the game where execution of what you are trying to do is most important. Like, defensive pressure is heightened. Everything matters a little bit more. You're trying to finish off the first half on a good note. You're trying to finish off a game. And Ole Miss doesn't execute. And on top of that, we've seen some end-of-game situations, right? You saw it against South Carolina where 11 seconds left and they get an off-balance falling away from the basket three in front of their bench. It's like, how's that the best look you can get? Final possession of regulation against Mississippi State. As, as bad a look at the end of games as you'll find anywhere in the country. It was, it was awful. And it's not like that for every team that you face. Vanderbilt is actually an interesting example. In 10 days, we saw Vanderbilt on its home floor needing a basket to either tie or win, and they executed it perfectly twice. From two different scenarios, right? One was a sideline inbound against Tennessee where they end up getting the winning three from the corner where there was, okay, this is what the play's called for. There's an adjustment on the play by the point guard. He's going downhill. He sees defensive pressure coming, kicks to an open guy, make a three. And then this past week against Auburn in a tie game after Auburn hits a tying three with 10 seconds left to go in the game, their point guard walks it up. He waits for his screen to develop. He accelerates off the screen. He gets to the basket. He lays it up and in. Like There's a very clear, this is what they're trying to do, and then they take it from the huddle to the court. They execute it. And that just hasn't happened this year for Ole Miss at all. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, you want to be part of the conversation? You can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Check them out. Learn more online. Ceasefire.com slash business. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com or at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Book your tee time, plan your trip, Dancing Rabbit Golf. Thanks for being with us. It is time for winners and losers. We got winners. Got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Win. Win. 
One way you can be a winner is to register for Morgan Wallen tickets. Coming to Oxford and Super Talk Mississippi is giving you a chance to win tickets. Just enter your name at one of the registration boxes located throughout the state at places like Big Play Family Fun Center in Biloxi, Ramey's Market in Monticello, or at Coburn's AC in Monticello, plus many more locations. Find the full list of places that you can register at supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen. Winners will get a pair of sweet seat tickets to see Morgan Wallen at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium on Sunday, April 23rd. Our ticket giveaway is brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. So, winners and losers from the weekend. Michael Borky, why don't you start us off with a winner? Air Force baseball. And not because they mm-hmm. opened their season going 1-2 and two against their bitter, bitter rival in Army, but it's how they started their game on Friday night. Have you guys seen this? Have you heard about this, Jay Leno? They, in their, <laughs> in their player introductions... When they announced every starter on their first game of the season, the starter didn't run out of the dugout high-fiving his teammates and taking his position on the field. Oh, no. He parachuted to his position on the field. That's right. Air Force, their starting defensive lineup, parachuted one by one onto the field, into their positions, including the team captain, the last guy down, with a gigantic American flag hanging underneath him. As he landed on the field. The guys on the field didn't catch the flag, by the way. Flag hit the ground. So, kind of a loser there. But otherwise, awesome that Air Force, in their starting player introductions, parachuted onto the field out of an airplane to lose the game, but still, to start a college baseball game. I think the flag actually touching the ground is acceptable in that situation. You just get it up as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah, it's funny that the guy overshot it a little bit. The guy's trying to catch it, jumped, and they missed it, and it hit the ground. But, man, it is so cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That is cool. That is is very cool. That's going to be tough to beat. Uh, That's that's, uh, life without Paul Skeens, by the way, for uh, the Air Force Academy. He was was pretty good. Uh, Hey, Dad, how about a winner? Oh gosh, I don't have one like that. I'll just go ahead and be honest with you. It's okay. Um, I was gonna stick with I was gonna go with uh with Mississippi State basketball because Chris Chris Jans, he kind of said it if you watch any of the uh, videos State put out that they just needed a dub. That they didn't care how they got it, they didn't care what the process was. They had to win on Saturday. There there was no coming back from a loss. And with two minutes and seventeen seconds left to go, I felt pretty confident that loss was coming. Uh, but State found a way. You mentioned Deshaun Davis. Somebody you didn't mention was Cam Matthews, who uh, I've said it during this this streak for State where they've won six out of seven. They found a new leading scorer almost every game. Cam Matthews was that guy in this one. He had 17 points, and there was a point there where he had to make a couple of clutch free throws, where a couple of possessions where he just took the ball at the top of the circle, drove into the paint, and found a bucket. He was very big for Mississippi State, and so... This crazy, improbable season continues for the Bulldogs, and this week will kind of decide things for them. Also of note, hey, Dad, five, Richard, two. I just need one baseball win, and you'll be at maroon. You'll be maroon and white for the Palmer Home Radiothon. There's a scenario where it could end up tied. If no. Ole Miss and Mississippi State were to meet in the SEC baseball tournament. Uh, I guess that would be it. 
I mean, if, if you had like a, a fifth meeting, so Ole Miss would have to win four season, out of five. Would have to win four out of five. Recent history right. has not indicated that 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 is the, the thing. But well, anything we'll is possible. But we we, we shall. I will see. have the win with an a, I will have win with an asterisk. If if it ends up tied, do we just fight? How does that work? We just Mortal Combat. I'm fine with that. Or maybe we both have get to in the dress. octagon. It's asterisk, not asterisk. I'm gonna. Now you know what? I had a good joke, but I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure that it's safe for radio. <laughs> Better to not err 100% on the side of caution. Sure. Yeah, I think so. I'll text it to you though. I can't imagine that it uh, has anything to do with uh, my name. No, 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 no. It doesn't. It doesn't actually. Uh John Rom is a winner. The Spaniard that is a golfer and is a really good golfer. So, Borky, they've been playing this season for like a month. He's already got three wins on the PGA Tour. Yeah, tour. the top of all of these leaderboards has, has been awesome, honestly. It's been really good. It was another elevated event this weekend, so it meant a $20 million prize purse at, uh, at the Genesis. So he won for the third time. Century Tournament of Champions. So all the best players that won tournaments or... Uh, qualified for the um, uh, the tour championship last year. They go to Maui. It's you know everybody wins money. It's not like super high pressure, but he won that, and then he won the American Express, and he just won the Genesis. And oh by the way, he was he was you know front page of the leaderboard in Phoenix last week as well. He is playing at a ridiculously high level right now, and it's with the golf swing that looks different than everybody else's. Yeah. Right, it's not the long, smooth, flowing. Looks like Fred Couples. Looks like Ernie Els. It's not the ridiculously athletic swing that Dustin Johnson had, where he got it so far back and then flattened out at the top. And he, man, he takes it about halfway back, and then just boom, and and hits it a mile with like a half swing. Uh, he is really, really dialed in. Move back to number one in the world. So. There you go, John Rump, winner. Got another one? Yeah, we talked about it earlier, so it don't need to be too long-winded, but the the, the clock rules... And... You could have said that, hey, Dad. I could have said it? Well, now the yeah, moment's passed. So. Okay. Um. I'll say, I told him, he said asterisk, and I said, no, it's actually asterisk, and he said he would kick well, my I was asterisk. Say, I'll kick... I'll kick your ass. No, that's all right. Worse has been said on this show. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Hey, yeah. you're good. You're yeah, good. A, a lot worse. Yeah. But yeah, the clock rules in, in college baseball. I, there's going to be some growing pains associated with it. Some weird things are going to happen from time to time. They might um, use some common sense. You hope they would in, in some cases anyway. But the, the games felt accessible this weekend. Like I, I talked to a buddy that has two young kids. Uh, wants to take them to games, but he knows that they don't. Let, that it's impossible to get his six and four year old to sit through four and a half hours of literally anything. It could be just an ice cream party with uh, puppy dog pals on a gigantic screen in front of them, and they're not lasting four and a half hours. No kid that age can, and that's kind of stopped them from doing stuff like that. It's more accessible. It's easier to watch. It'll grow the game, which is what everybody wants, right? You want college baseball to grow. You want to help it grow. You make it more appealing for the casual viewer. 
And what I saw this weekend from college baseball was a more appealing product that felt like it moved. But not too fast, not unnecessarily. The game still felt like the game, but it had pace and purpose. And if you have that, television partners are going to be more willing, possibly, to put you on. The casual sports fan is going to enjoy it more, as opposed to a a four-and-a-half-hour slog fest like you got at a bunch of different points last season. Early returns, very good in the new clock in college baseball. Hey, Dan, you got another winner? Uh, nothing really stands out, no. So let's, we can move into losers if we have time. I guess let's come back after we... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that after uh, Chris Lamonis. Lamonis. If you've got one, though, you're, you're welcome to uh, throw it in. No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. What? Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State. He is, uh, he is going to join us coming up in our next segment, the uh, first week of the season. Uh, State gets two out of three at home against, uh, against VMI. Uh, they win the season opener. They lose game two. That one was disappointing. Bounce back nicely yesterday and, uh, and get the series win. What did he take away from, uh, from week one on the diamond in Starkville? We'll talk with Chris Lamonis coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi, that will be on the Farm Bureau guest line. Your number one for Sports Talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. We're glad to be with you, and we're glad to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Chris Lamonis joins us right now. His baseball team won two out of three over the weekend. Big crowds all three days. Weather cooperated for the most part this weekend. Coach, it had to feel great to be back at the ballpark and to uh, to get a series win to start the year. Yeah, it was a uh, good weekend. Unfortunately, we dropped that middle game when we have a big lead and uh, just learning about our team. But uh, yeah, it was great to be back. Big crowds. Weather turned out really nice after day one, and uh, it's baseball season, and it's, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And dude, I think we play eight games here in the first you know ten days or whatever. So we're, we're we're playing a lot of baseball right from the bat, right from the get go. Yeah, you, you don't exactly get to ease into the season with the way you build the schedule. So small sample size with just three games. I'm curious if you feel like you learned anything about your team out of these first three games. Well, I think so. We, um, I knew we had a good offense, you know, so our offense played really well pretty much the whole weekend, and some of our new guys really, really played well. Um, you know, and we had some guys pitch well over the weekend. We had a couple of guys go out there for the first time on, on and not give us a great outing on Saturday. So it was a, um, you know, you know, learning curve for them because they pitch well in practice. So we, we just got to be able to get out there and and handle the rubber and and everything else during a game. And then, uh, you know, defensively we weren't great this weekend. That was probably one of my bigger disappointments. And we've been really good, and we have a lot of really good defenders. Probably made too many mistakes on defense for for my liking. 
You, you mentioned Saturday, Coach, and obviously, you know, with Casey Hunt the, the, giving away some free passes, you mentioned defense. It was it was a lot of self-inflicted wounds. When you see it, when you have a loss like that, do you take something away that, like, look, if we correct our own mistakes, we'll be better off? It's not what they did, it's what we did. Yeah, that's, and it's like that every game for us in every facet. I mean, we're going to get beat at times in the SEC because the SEC is so good, but self-inflicted wounds, and we, we just call it the freebie war. You know, we have a chart in our, our team meeting room, and every day we talk about, you know, who wins the freebies, you know, walks, errors, HBP, stolen bases, and we got demolished on Saturday in that because we just gave up so many freebies, and uh, you just can't win that way, especially when you have a lead. And uh, a couple guys probably lost focus, a couple guys went out there, and then they turned the momentum on us, and we had a couple guys not respond. You know, and, and so, and it's across the board. It's defensively, it's offensive. As good as we were offensively, you know, we only scored three runs in the last seven innings, you know, so you can do a better job in every facet uh, of the game. Coach, in terms of guys that, that stood out to you um, from what they did offensively o- over the course of the weekend, uh, there were some new faces that, that had some nice production, and then you had a couple of guys that, that people are familiar with that, that kind of got it going a little bit. What, what stood out for you? And a lot of them were really good. I mean, Imani Larry probably put on a show, and yeah. we knew he was that good. I didn't, you know, he played really well this weekend. Colton Ledbetter had a good weekend. I mean, shoot, you pretty much go to the lineup. Bryce Chance, you know, a player from there in the Jackson area that, you know, um, maybe a lot of people don't know about, but he's a really good player. And I think he just got SEC Freshman of the Week. Um, and it's it's a little guy who can hit and hit for juice. And, and, you know, probably the biggest play he made all weekend is he had a great base running play to open that game up yesterday at the plate. So, uh, you know, we just, you know, and I'm leaving guys out, I'm sure. Well, I just felt like a lot of guys gave us great efforts. Hey, t- tell me a little bit more about Amani Larry, uh, because his path to you is, you know, it's a little circuitous. A couple of years in junior college, and then he goes to UNO and plays really, really well, and, and then he's a guy that you're able to pick up through the transfer portal. What do we need to know about him? There was a lot of recruitment on Amani when he went into the portal, and we were needing a second base on another middle infielder. Luckily for me, my starting catcher for four straight years at Indiana was the assistant coach there at, at New Orleans at the time. And they were not happy he was leaving, but once he went in the portal, we were able to get some help from him. And really one of the funny things, one of the funny comments from him was, uh, Coach, he's not a great practice player. And it was, he didn't mean that he didn't practice hard. Monty practices really hard. He just said, Coach, just in practice, he's just okay. And, then in the games, it's like you're get, you get this superstar. And, and, and we were laughing in the dugout this weekend. I said, I guess this is what he was talking about because um, Imani's played well for us, but, but he played great this weekend. So, uh, you know, sometimes guys play better with the lights on, and he's kind of one of those guys. Coach, I thought maybe the biggest positive to take from the weekend were the final three outs on Sunday to see Aaron Nixon come out there and look like a shutdown closer, look like that freshman All-American that we saw two years ago. You had to be pleased that he came out and really didn't give you any kind of problems, just got out there and got three outs. Yeah, he was he was really efficient. I mean, he, he was one of the best closers in the country two years ago. I made uh, – we make our kids stand out in front of the team and talk about, you know, uh, we call it hero, hardship, and highlight. You know, and they, just because we have so many new kids, they all have to stand up. And, you know, he stood up and said who his hero was and how he had a tough year last year. But my highlight was beating Mississippi State in the 2021 World Series. And I didn't even realize he got the win in that game. You know, he this kid's played in Omaha twice, played for his country. I mean, this guy's, this guy's done a lot, and it's really good stuff. And so, uh, 
it was nice to see him go out there. Him and Nate Dome there at the end of the game have, give us a chance to be really special. Well, you mentioned it when we started this this uh, conversation that you know you got a long week. You got five games uh, this week, two midweek games. I know you're not a huge fan of that. You know, from a pitching perspective, how do you plan to set up what you want to do in the midweek and, and then going into the weekend? Well, you, you know, you want to be careful because you you want to have all your guys available for Friday too. But you, you know, these are all non-conference, so you got to win them all or, or have that mentality. And so we're going Bradley Lofton, our big freshman. He threw an inning yesterday just to get his feet wet. Uh, tomorrow, and a very talented left-handed pitcher, and then we're going Durangelo on a Wednesday. So we're running our two freshman guys out there. So uh, they both got an inning this weekend just to try to get out there and get a feel, and they were both in pressure moments. I mean, they both had to come out there and, and pitch you know, with the game on the line, which, and they both pitched great. So we're looking forward to seeing them out there this week for the starts. So, so yeah, are we th- I think we're thinking the exact same thing. When you run Durangelo out there as a starter, is he a righty or a lefty? Well, he's usually both, but he uh, I think it was Friday night he slept on his left hand and it's kinda he's got it's kinda like uh, you get a Uh-oh. crick in your neck. I think he's got a crick in his left wrist. So he just threw right handed this weekend. But he's been he's throwing it that's the that's first what time I was... he's only throwing right handed. So uh, you know, I'm hoping he's both both are feeling good for Wednesday. I mean I imagine they would be. That's what that's what I was going to say, Coach. Is like we, we, Mississippi State hyped this kid up all these months of both hands, both hands, and then he gets a left-handed batter and through righty. I was so disappointed. I was just watching. Yeah, I was I like, know. "No, come yeah, on!" I, I, a lot of our fans have seen him in practice. You know, they all shoot. We get a thousand people at damn practice. So, but he, uh, I know it was a little bit. I wasn't sure he was going to pitch, and then he just yeah. he told our coach. He just said, "Coach, I can just I can get him out right-handed too." <laughs> you know, like so, because he does. He has a great changeup. He, I mean, it's ninety-five miles an hour. And it's easy. I mean, it's uh, so yeah. But I, you know, him getting getting ready. You know, he was getting treatment when I left today. Just it's nothing major. It's just his red. You just kind of you know when you sleep and you know being able to pitch. So um, hopefully we'll he'll feel better on Wednesday and be able to use both. Hey, last thing. What about uh, what about the new clock rules this afternoon? What effect did it have on your team? Are you a fan? Or are we okay with this? You know, I'm not. Uh, you know, it's 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 a little. I don't think it affected us at all this weekend. I think we were fine. We practiced it. You know, for if you notice, we're using Pitchcom. Pitchcom's, uh, you know, right. we don't do signals anymore. Everything's just a little thing on their wrist. It just says hit, or you know, whatever. Throw fastball in this zone or whatever, right? So I'm hoping that speeds us up. Um, you know, some of it's a little too much. Um, I feel bad for the hitter that gets in at 18 seconds. And then the pitcher takes it down to two seconds and you're sitting there like stuck, you know, and they can't even call, you know, the hitter after can't call timeout. Well, I don't think we had, I think Slate Offer got a strike this weekend, you know, and and what was nice for us is Slate got the strike called and he's my worst one. I knew it before the weekend and then uh, he got a hit. I've already told our guys, somebody's calling a strike on you or a ball on you, you still get the guy out or you still get a hit, you know, but. I, you know, and I know we get a lot of, we've gotten a lot of knock lately, but it's TV based. You know, we have to get our games back under control. They've gotten, I mean, 10 years ago, we were playing games in two and a half hours, you know, and TV's a part of why they went bigger, but it, they've gotten slower for a lot of ways. And um, to keep our fan base to be on TV, to be able to be on TV more, you know, the, you know, 10 run rule, it's going to cost some guys some at bats if you're up. I get it. Um, but, you know, we're just trying to do different things to help make the game faster. You know, and so, um, and, and everybody looks to the SEC. So it's in our world. Sure. You know, we're in our meetings and in college baseball. If we change it, then it can be a change across the, you know, country, we hope, you know, 
Um, so that's, that's why you're getting some of these different. It's going to be a little different in the SEC. We have different rules for SEC play that make it even faster. It's a game that we all love. We hope it's good for the game. Thanks uh, so much for your time, and we look forward to doing this every Monday. All right. Thanks, guys. Hell State. Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State. Dogs get two out of three this weekend. How big was this weekend in the state of Mississippi for college baseball? I will give you a number when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Sports Talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Again, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. I told you I'd, I'd give you a number when we came back. How how big was the opening weekend of the college baseball season in Mississippi? Well, the weather was, I mean, okay. It was cold on Friday, wherever you were. Whether you were in Hattiesburg, Oxford, or Starkville, it was cold on Friday. Didn't really keep people away from the ballpark. Got a little better on Saturday. And yesterday was pretty nice in in all three spots. Three-game series in Hattiesburg, three-game series in Starkville, three-game series in Oxford, nine games played, 81,459. The opening weekend attendance combined between those three sites. Wow. Pretty good. Wow. And then what? Ole Miss is playing. Who are they playing this weekend? They've got Maryland coming in this weekend. So that's a that's a top twenty five matchup. Or I don't know where Maryland is ranked. Maybe top fifteen. State has uh, Arizona State, so that's a you know a attractive game. It's a name brand matchup. Also, State has now. a big yeah, and State has a big basketball game on campus that'll bring people to Starkville on Saturday. And then uh, who does Southern play this weekend? Uh, they have Illinois coming in for a three game series. So that's a, I mean that's a power five opponent. I mean this weekend could be more than that, especially since the weather is supposed to be great this weekend. Yeah, the weather looks good. What weather looks good? Could be close to a hundred thousand between those nine games. Yeah, I don't know how much. Like, I don't know if there's room to get another eighteen thousand people, eighteen and a half thousand people across those three sites. I think Southern Miss is kind of maxed out at the number of. They were at like fifty-two, fifty-three, fifty-four hundred for each of the three games. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss had 11,000-something on opening day and then like 10-5 or 10-6 on Saturday and 98 or 9,900 yesterday. And I think State was like 10-5 on Friday and then 12-something Saturday and 11-something yesterday. So 
I mean, you could probably cherry pick another six or eight thousand people. I don't, I don't know if you could pull in another sixteen thousand, but or or, or eighteen thousand, whatever the number is. But it was incredible. Hmm. It was incredible this weekend. So, hat tip to uh, baseball fans, college baseball fans, all across the state of Mississippi this weekend. You uh, you showed up big time. Uh, unsurprisingly, it just uh, it's it's different here. Um... Especially considering okay. the opponents. Uh, I mean, it, th- this is going to sound like it's a, a shot at State. It's not. But VMI is not particularly good. A 16-win team from a year ago, and they only won one conference series in the SOCON, and it was against the other military academy in the SOCON. That is their only conference series win from last year. Citadel? Yeah, that was it. And hmm. uh, coming off of finishing last in the SEC, and they still had crowds like that. Yeah. It's it's obviously a really, really big deal. Uh, let's go back and finish winners and losers. You can send us yours on the ceasefire text line. It's 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. That's the ceasefire text line. Um, what you got? We, we got our winners. NBA All-Star game is kind of... Like, if you got that as a loser, I'm kind of like, eh, come on. Some low-hanging fruit. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, you you kind of know what you're getting. You're, you're getting like a 94-foot dunk contest and three-point shooting contest rolled into one that's got a bunch of interceptions mixed in. That's all it is. Yeah, all it they, is. They're messing they're with the... a concert the... before the game and a yeah. concert at halftime and... They had yeah, whatever. They had, did you hear Barkley? I don't know if I should repeat what he said, but I'm going to do it anyway. Bar, Barkley was talking about how there's nothing to do in Salt Lake City, and they're like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Man, I got a lot of room service in this city." And they're like, "Why you got to be mean to Salt Lake?" He's like, "It's fine. They're all going to heaven anyway." <laughs> <laughs> Chuck. Barkley, man. First he got San Antonio, now Salt Lake. Yeah. Chuck. <laughs> wow. I mean, but yes, it's the All-Star game. It's a it's a exhibition. None of these guys want to get hurt because they have 24 games left to make a playoff push. And, I mean, a lot of them are, are up against extensions that will give them $160-plus million. Would you mess around in a scrimmage game if you just made it to the end of the season healthy? You would get $160 million? I don't think so. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Hey, there, there are a lot of people on the ceasefire text line that have pointed to uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. as a winner. Such a big winner that he won the Daytona 500. He threw on his uh, tiger camo print blue Delta jeans jeans jacket, grabbed his trophy, and he headed straight to Waffle House and carried the trophy in with him. Do you have that same jacket? I do not. We need to get that for you. I do not. Um, but, yeah, just, just go celebrate your Daytona 500 win at Waffle House. Is Waffle House a sponsor of his, or is that, like, a genuine like? Because it's a genuine like I mean, it's, for me. It's, it's a pretty genuine like for everybody here in the South. I don't know anybody who's like, I don't like Waffle House. I guarantee it's a genuine like, regardless of yeah. the sponsor. Yeah. yeah. It was very Malzahn-esque. He's yeah. just going there. 
That's good. Um, um, Jim Schlossnagel's a loser. And and look, I, I get uh, Chris Limonis reading between the lines. I, I don't mean to put words in, in his mouth. It sounded like his take on the clock rule is, I don't love it, but I get it. And so we're just going to push forward and I'm not going to complain, but I don't love it. I, I respect that and that, that's totally fine. Him going on Twitter the way he did and saying what he said while intentionally leaving off the word fans, I, I think is a, a microcosm of the issue with not just college sports, but sports in general right now. The fans are becoming an afterthought. They have to pay more and more and more, and now they got to give to NIL too. Everything's more expensive. Concessions are more expensive. Parking's more expensive. Tickets are more expensive. You better give to NIL or else you don't care about the program, so that's an added expense as well. It's it's like the the, the people that pay for everything are the ones getting left behind. Same thing like with the NBA, Adam Silver talking on Saturday night, uh, said that load management's not a problem in the NBA. Totally fine with stars sitting out 20 games a season. And it's like, do you realize that you're going to lose the very people that consume your product, right? That's not okay. When people save up money to go see Steph Curry and Steph Curry's on the bench in street clothes because he's getting a rest day, you're going to lose those people. If you're playing four-and-a-half-hour baseball games, you're going to lose people or not gain people. It's like everybody in sports is forgetting about the fans. And his tweet and his complaint was a perfect encapsulation of that. It's not fair to everybody but the people that pay your multi-million dollar contract. Yeah, you're at the point now with load management where if you live in a small market town, if you live in Cleveland, Charlotte, uh, New Orleans to an extent, yeah. although New Orleans being in the playoff chase changes it, and you've got a big team coming in, you've got the Celtics or the Lakers or the Warriors, teams that have stars. I know the Lakers aren't playing well, but you're taking a huge risk buying a ticket. If you're buying a ticket thinking, oh, man, I want to go see LeBron or I want to go see Steph Curry or I want to go see KD, you're taking a risk that they're probably not going to play in your city. Yeah. And Memphis endured that for a long time, but has played its yeah. way out of that small market city because of John Morant and yeah. where they are in the playoff pecking order. And New Orleans would be playing their way out of it if Zion could stay healthy, if Brandon right. Ingram had stayed healthy. They'd yeah. be better off than they are. But, but I was listening to a New Orleans-based podcast where when the Lakers came in town, they, they know a family of Pelicans fans that bought tickets for one game. Because they wanted to also see LeBron. And LeBron played, which good for them, but that that doesn't happen all, all the time. Yeah. And so college sports, NBA, all these people are taking liberties with fans, and one of these days the fans are going to stop. And the college football story we're going to do here in a little bit I think is a, a, another thing where you're taking too many liberties with they're gonna buy tickets. They're gonna watch no matter what, so we can do what we want. That day is coming where that stops being reality, and they're closer than they realize. Uh, I have a loser for you, and then I'll share a couple on the uh, ceasefire text line as well. The wine, complain, cry online to anyone who will listen about what a batter's eye looks like. Like, I hope you got that out of your system this weekend and you can just move on. If you missed the story, because of construction beyond the center field wall at Swayze Field, they had to enlarge the batter's eye. There is 
a major construction project that is coming to the outfield in both right field and left field following the season. They had to come up with a temporary solution. The temporary solution was not particularly good, but it's not as if Ole Miss woke up and said, what's the cheapest and ugliest thing we can do to replace the previous batter's eye to get through the season? I don't know if it's a permanent solution even for this year, if they're going to look at it and try to figure out something else. Yes, it's bad, but your lack of self-awareness and, oh, it looks so terrible, they won a national championship, then they put a garbage bag up in the outfield. Just stop. Just stop. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Bianco will join us at uh, 520 to finish our baseball coach trifecta on this Monday. we got the college football fix coming to start the 5 o'clock hour. We will have a weekend food review because there was no Sports Talk Mississippi on Friday. We did not have our normal food Friday presented by Polk's and Polk's Meat. And so we will... Uh, what, what are you looking at so awkwardly? Why was there no show on Friday? There was no show on Friday because Mississippi State's baseball game began at 2 o'clock and Ole Miss's game began at 3 o'clock, and so we would have been on oh. one station for a total of 30 minutes. And uh, so we put together a best-of show. Uh, you were out. I don't feel Michael so bad Borky. for missing that day. Well, and, and Michael Borky had to be out on, uh, so it would have been Will East and me for, for 30 minutes, and the rest of it we just Oh, kind God, of nobody wants that. Cloud. Yeah, good call. And, good and call. So, nobody wants that. I think online we put up a uh, a video slate that su- suggested that everyone should have a happy opening day, and uh, we replayed some of the baseball content from the last couple of weeks, and we we carried on. Okay. I, I I didn't know. I didn't know. Yes, little uh, little inside radio for you there. There you go. Yes, a uh, couple of other winners and Very losers good. that are here. Winner Mike Bianco catches the ceremonial first pitch from his dad yesterday. Yeah, that was cool. So if you missed that story, Ron Bianco played baseball and football and was a two-time football national champion at the University of Delaware. Mike had gone back to the University of Delaware, I think, for um, an event where his father was honored. And so Ron Bianco, Mike Bianco's dad, wearing an Ole Miss baseball jersey and a Delaware baseball cap, Throughout the first pitch on Sunday. So, yeah, yeah, cool moment for their family. That's cool. No question. Uh, Dwayne said, loser, me. It's There was a replay on Friday. Missed you guys and food Friday. But a winner is Hey Dad for making it through the vid. Made it through the vid. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of felt guilty, I guess, for asking you guys. You're telling you I didn't know that COVID was still a thing when you told yeah. me you had it. Oh, well, you that's all right. Thanks for checking in on me while I was out, too, by the way. I appreciate that. You got it, my man. Are you being sarcastic? <laughs> yes. You never, you I didn't texted you a couple more. of times. Like, just randomly. <laughs> I'm just saying. I was like the best with you. Yes, well. I mean, I just figured you were... You and Borky just by my side the whole way. Figured you were just 
settled in a chair playing video games all week. I was laying in the bed for most of it. I was tired. Yeah. Um, Mississippi State women's basketball won against Alabama without their starting center, so winner. Uh, there were uh, people like maybe I didn't clarify. Oh, you got a, you have a loser then. You've got a loser if you want to talk about women's basketball. Yeah, but this is uh, in similar news. The sky is blue and grass is green in the summer. Yeah. Look, I, I have watched very little women's basketball this year, but I did flip it on yesterday. Ole Miss was playing South Carolina. They had a big crowd at the pavilion. I think they set a record, like 6,500 or something like that. And Ole Miss and South Carolina were tied. Ole Miss had the ball, final possession of the game. Um. A lot of dribbling in the possession, but then ultimately they get a player driving downhill who kind of loses her balance but doesn't go to the ground other than the fact that she got a little help to the ground with a shove in the small of her back by a South Carolina player. Was there a whistle? Of course not. Of course there wasn't. Ball rolls out of bounds, undefeated South Carolina gets it back, misses a shot at the buzzer, goes to overtime, and they win. But my immediate thought was, and, and, and I'm sorry for this being the immediate thought, and I know the answer to this question, right? I mean, it's, it, this is very much rhetorical. Aliyah Boston is the reigning national player of the year. If an Ole Miss women's basketball player had managed to put two hands in the small of her back as she was starting to stumble and extended their arms and shoved her to the ground, would a foul have been called? Would Aaliyah Boston have gone to the free throw line to shoot two to win the game with 1.1 seconds remaining? And the answer to that is definitively yes. But here's the truth. If you saw that and you were surprised, congratulations on watching your first ever women's college basketball yesterday. (laughs) Because women's college basketball officiating makes men's college basketball officiating, makes the Pac-12 college football officials, makes Mark Curls look like they descended from heaven above simply to officiate a game. It's that You aren't telling any lies. It's not There was no lie in any of that. And it's not, I, I don't think, don't think that it's crooked. It's, oh, it's not. just awful. It's incompetent. It, and it's, frankly, there it is. without compare. So, college football fix. That's coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Oh, 
Welcome back. 5 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. Do yourself a favor and stop in. Check out the Golden Moon, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, sports book inside the Golden Moon in person. Great setup, great food, tons of TVs, and plenty of ways for you to get involved with the action. That's the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love for you to join us. Busy 5 o'clock hour coming up, so hit us up on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Visit ceasefire.com to see the latest deals that they've got on both wireless accessories, wireless devices, and, of course, wireless plans. That's cspire.com. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and check out the selection available across the Mid-South F-150s. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. It's Truck Month, Mississippi. Be sure you make the most of it at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Orky, the uh, conversation today for the last few weeks has centered on clock rules in baseball. College football said don't forget about us. What are the details? Uh, yeah, apparently uh, they they being television executives and apparently the conferences as well, are trying to find ways to shorten the length of college football games. They are getting increasingly longer. Uh, specifically college football. The NFL, of course, maintains a pretty standard game length, fits perfectly into their three windows. College football, not so much, so they're trying to change that. There are four proposed clock rule changes that seem like they're all going to get adopted. We shall see. But the first one is the prohibition of consecutive timeouts, meaning no more icing the kicker, or if you call a timeout because you don't like defensive alignment, and then you don't like it again, can't call a timeout. Number two, no untimed down at the end of the first and third quarters. Both of those are pretty rare, so we'll get on to the more important ones. Number three, clock runs after first downs except inside of two minutes at the end of each half. So the clock will run on first down, just like the NFL, except for they will change it inside of two minutes. And finally... The clock will run after the ball is spotted after an incomplete pass. So incomplete passes will no longer stop the clock, but for a few seconds for them to put the ball back in its original spot. They think that they can shave dozens, possibly, um, of plays off of the game by implementing those rules. you got to remember these are proposals. These are not rules that are immediately going into effect. I I don't think I've got a problem with any of them. But there's there's a little bit of a reason. I, I think it causes you to be a smarter football team. To I'm sorry, it causes you to have to be a smarter football team. It has it, it forces you to be more prepared for situational football. I am in awe. A W E awe. Um 
watching NFL quarterbacks run two-minute drills. Because the efficiency with which they are able to run end-of-game situational scenarios usually without the benefit of much in terms of timeout, timeouts, and without the clock stopping for a first down, other than to reset, it's incredible. You give an NFL quarterback a minute 15 and say, go get in field goal range, and you're surprised when it doesn't happen. You give a college football team a minute 15 and they need to get into field goal range and it feels like you're watching a kindergarten fire drill. I adapted it because I'm not sure that you can say the other kind of fire drill that people used to say. <laughs> you're right, you can't. But yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that you're allowed to say that no, you're anymore, right, you're so right. I went with you know kindergarten yeah. fire drill. No, you did good. You did good. (laughs) So, what I'll say is this. The games are too long. I'll give you that. The the windows of these games are being in, they're, they're too long. They're not too long because of football. I don't want plays to be shaved off of games, especially plays that could be crucial plays, big plays. The issue is the one thing that nobody's willing to change. It's the ads. There's just too many ad breaks, and they're too long. But nobody is going to raise their hand and go, let's make more, less money this year. So I get that. I, you know, What do I always say about college football? There's never enough. Every day is a good day in college football. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to hear me complain. Same thing with baseball, right? You're never, I have never been to a football game, looked around and said, man, we have been here forever. Are we ever going to get out of here? I'm always, you know, I'm at the game. And when I'm watching a game, I have never been like, man, this game is just dragging. I, I, that's just me. But that's the issue with college football. It, it, and Borky, he tweeted something about it earlier. Like, when you have extra point, commercial, kickoff, commercial, and then God forbid on first down we need a replay, you're gonna, it, it, it's, it's just, it's just maddening. That's the issue with college football. That's why the games are so long, but there's no change in that because nobody's gonna say, yeah, we can afford to make less money this year. Exactly. Uh, that that's I, I have such a problem with this because if you have a four-hour football game, to reduce that length of time, they are they're wanting to take away the one thing we're there for. They're wanting to take away football. The inventory for everything else will remain the same. Hold on, let me push back on that idea though. You, you Borky are one that tells us all the time that the level of play in the NFL compared to college football yeah. is drastically different. It is. I mean, it, 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 there's no question about it. It is. But do you feel like you get less good football when you watch the NFL than no, but, because the game's shorter? But here's the thing. Here's what I was getting to. So you're taking away the one thing that we're there for while not first implementing or figuring out other things that you can reduce without ruining your commercial inventory either. Things like halftime length. What is the NFL halftime? 12 minutes? College is 20. 
and the clock doesn't start until the teams get fully off the field. I love the bands. I love I love the bands. It's a great part about college football. They don't need 20 minutes. Reduce They don't half play time. 20 minutes. Yeah. Re- reduce the length of halftime. Be more efficient with your penalty calls. I mention this with the NFL all the time. If there's a false start, they, they the rest don't have to come together. Flags thrown. Another a number is communicated to the head ref. He just turns around. False start. Fifty-five five yards. They move the ball back. Boom. Set to play. It's faster. The the things that aren't the actual football in the NFL move faster. Shorten the halftime. Eliminate the commercial. Uh, extra point commercial kickoff commercial. Find a way to get rid that, of that. That doesn't happen very often. In it does on football. CBS games. Oh, it uh, happens on but, CBS. But it's games only when they're lot. behind on their commercial format. But that that kind of stuff doesn't happen in the NFL. When there is a targeting review, which it did until just a few years ago, and the NFL made a conscious decision they were getting rid of that commercial break because that was a common piece of the NFL until what three or four years yeah. ago, and and because it was ruining game. Like when there's a targeting review, instead of sitting there and let Gary Danielson talk over and over about how it should be targeting, fire a commercial break right there. When we come back, the decision's been made. You start football again. Instead, we yes, sit yeah. for five minutes watching guys look into a monitor, and then after it's decided, fire a break. Little the things. Second, yeah. The second an official announces previous play is under review, go to a commercial break. Yes. Commercial. I like that. It, that, that would help. It, it do that with injuries. Guy, guys down injured, fire a break. When you come back, you tell them who the player was and what happened. Yeah. Little things like that that they could clean up in college football before they start taking away the football. It's a really good point about that. There's little is. that's more maddening than watching a guy go down for an injury, trainers come out, coaches walk out, they look at him for 30 seconds to a minute, and then as they're starting to pick him up, TV chooses to go to a break. Yes. Yeah. Trainer goes onto the field, and it ought to be immediate. Commercial break. You know, I watch a lot of soccer. They don't have ads, man. Put an ad on the score bug. Yeah. How much would somebody pay to have their ad constantly on the screen? The third quarter is brought to you by C Spire Wireless. Well, they're more than wireless now. They're a little bit of everything, but third quarter is brought to you by C Spire. Like, if you just had to constantly see Mississippi State X, Texas A&M X, and right next to it is Coca-Cola, I mean, you can't escape it. That's what the Premier League does, and they, they, they do it fine. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We'll go back to baseball when we come back. That was your college football fix driven by Ford. Mike Bianco on the Farm Bureau guest line coming up next. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Rolling along in the 5 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Mike Bianco joins us now, head baseball coach at Ole Miss on the Farm Bureau guest line. Kind enough to, uh, once again, agree to do these Monday interviews. Coach, we appreciate uh, your time. Uh, one weekend in the books. There, there was lots of extra stuff this weekend because of celebrating last year's team and ceremonial first pitches and all of that. With these three games now kind of in the books, what do you think? How did it go? Did you feel good about the weekend as a whole? Yeah, I think overall it was good. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, the takeaway of three wins—that's you know terrific. You know, uh, I thought we swung it well. 
uh, I thought we pitched it well. Um, I thought we ran the bases well, and, and certainly de- defensively uh, to play three games without an error. Uh, you know, I thought uh, Calvin Harris uh, made a great throw yesterday in a steal attempt. Uh, we didn't have a ball pass to the catcher the entire weekend. Uh, so a lot of boxes checked, but still, you know, ways to go. You know, uh, you know, we're going to see better pitching, obviously, this weekend against Maryland. Uh, we're, we're gonna, you know, face probably a better club physically than, than the Delaware club. Uh, and there's areas that, you know, we gotta cut down the walks on the mound. Uh, I think, you know, we'd like to be a little more consistent offensively, although we scored a ton of runs where, you know, I thought we had some lapses. Uh, but a lot of, you know, pluses. The pluses certainly outweigh the, the minuses. I don't even know if this question makes sense, but if if you could draw up like a, a scoring scenario, because you had some big innings this weekend, you know, where you put four runs on the board or five runs on the board. As a coach, would you rather have it a, a, where you you know you scratch out two or three, four or five times throughout the course of the game, as opposed to getting to nine or ten runs based on a big inning here and a big inning five innings later? Ah, great question, and and I don't know if there's an easy answer. I think you know part of you, if you were guaranteed, you know, the nine runs, would you rather score one one, you know, an inning rather than score eight and one? I, you know, I, yeah, if I knew I was going to get nine, it'd probably be a lot easier to go one an inning, uh, just so your pitchers don't have to sit and your defense doesn't have to sit, and you know, the, you know, the I think the flow of the game's better. But the truth of the matter is, scoring is hard. We'll take the runs whenever we can get them. But I think it's probably the reason that you asked the question is like that is because hitting's hard. And if you put a big inning together and you score four or five like we did a few times this weekend, and then you go a few innings where you don't score, yeah, you, 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 you're a little more critical, I think. Hey, could we have had some better at-bats? Could we have done some things differently uh, to be more productive, more consistently? But, again, I think that's you know, sometimes that could be a little overcritical. We asked Scott Barry about this a couple of hours ago, asked Chris Lamonis about it. Uh, I'm curious, this was the first weekend with kind of the new clock rules and the time, and, and we talked with you last week about that, what that was going to look like. Having gone through it for a weekend, what did you think? Uh, probably what I thought. I, I thought our guys did a great job. You know, of getting to the plate. You know, the hitters, uh, pitchers. You know, we we had a uh, on yesterday. We we had a you know, a little bit of an issue on the mound uh, that uh, we had one ball called. Uh, you, know, you know, because we had used our reset, uh, some technical you know type of stuff. But uh, for the most part, uh, I thought we did a good job. You know, it, it puts a big. Uh, onus on the umpires to, to really be able to control the game. And what we found this weekend, which I really knew was going to be a problem, everybody's talking because it's the obvious thing. The ball's being called or the strike's being called because kind of like when the shot clock, you know, if you don't get the shot off, you're right, it's a change of possession. If you don't make the play on football, you know, it's a five-yard penalty. So when there's penalties involved, I think the fans understand it, right? They're sitting in the stands, oh, that was a penalty, uh, you know, they didn't throw the ball or didn't get in the box soon enough. And that's what probably caught more national attention. My biggest fear of all of this is that the pitchers are going to go too quick and the hitters don't get a chance to get in the box. And we had several arguments this weekend about, you know, I thought it was unfair where, you know, our hitters have to 10 seconds left to get in the box and they're, they're, the guys are pitching at 18 seconds. Our guys aren't in the box. And so I, I saw it kind of the reverse of, you know, of what's happened in a lot of the other areas around the country. 
Yeah, and, and I can't remember. It may have been Chris that said earlier, you know, if, if a hitter climbs into the box with 18 seconds and then the pitcher holds the ball and holds it and doesn't deliver it till two, but the hitter doesn't have the opportunity to call time out there, that, that that's a long time sometimes for a hitter to stand there and, and just kind of wait and wait and wait without a reset. That's true, and uh, you know, but but what I think I would much rather have that as a hitter, uh, to where I can just take practice swings and just rest that bat on my shoulder, versus a quick pitch. the pitcher's on the rubber and he's ready mm-hmm. to throw the ball, and I'm not in the box. You know, now the clock started going down twenty, nineteen, eighteen, and as I'm getting one foot in the box, he's starting to wind up or come set in the stretch. And you're asking a guy to do the most difficult thing in all of sports statistically, right? To hit a baseball, you know, you're a Hall of Famer if you hit three hundred. Well, you fail seventy percent of the time, and so you're asking that guy to do something that's really hard and to, to get in the box, and the guy's starting to pitch, he's not even in the box yet, or got two hands on the bat. And so one of the bad things about these, these rules, you know, and there's no doubt that it worked. The games were much faster this weekend, uh, you know, not just here but across the country. You know, the, the problem is uh, all the rules are set up for the pitchers. You know, the, you know, they're, you know they're, they're asking that the umpires, as Chris was saying, you know, to not give the hitter time out, and you know we got to play this game faster, so you can't be letting them call time out. Well, but you got to let them at least get into the box. You're, you know, it's not going to be fair. I'm sure, you've played a lot of games of catch with your dad through the years. How cool was it to uh, squat down behind home plate and, and catch a ceremonial first pitch for him, especially with the, the Delaware connection? Yeah, really cool. Real, really, really cool. And, and, um, you know, something, you know, thought about, you know, months ago when, you know, obviously we knew they were coming and, uh, and then you got to kind of run it through the, you know, the oldest people because, you know, there's sponsors for the game and different things going on. Uh, but, you know, we, we were, we were able to secure the first pitch on Sunday and, um, you know, he was, he was really nervous as everybody is to throw out the first pitch. You know, you'd be surprised how nervous people are. Uh, you know, because, you know, how many people have thrown a ball in front of 10,000 people, right? And, you know, all the eyes are watching. Uh, but just really cool. You know, and you're right. We've played a lot of, a lot of catch growing up. Uh, maybe not as much recently, right? Cause both of us are getting old. Uh, but, but yeah, just uh, one of those great father son moments. And, uh, the, you know, it was a great, you know, uh, ovation by the fans. I, I, I appreciated that. And I know that my, my father did as well. From a scheduling standpoint, you have Tuesday game against Arkansas State, and then four of your next six games are against the same opponent from a different conference. Uh, Maryland with a three-game series, and then you play them in the first game of the tournament in, in Minneapolis as well. What, what are people going to see from Maryland when they roll in this coming weekend? Well, you're going to uh, see, obviously, a really good team, team that's ranked in the top 20 and you know, I would assume just about every poll. I think they're, I haven't looked this year. I haven't looked at the polls today, but I think they were 13th or around 13th in most of the polls, uh, to start the season and, you know, one, two out of three down in South Florida. Uh, they got a pitcher in Friday night, uh, Savakul that was a USA, uh, uh, attendee this summer. Uh, they got the number one ranked catcher in the country, uh, behind the plate and, uh, a team that's, you know, not just ranked, but a team that hosted a regional last year so you know a club a veteran club but they, they hit a lot of homers last year i haven't really delved into it too much i started looking at some of the arkansas state you know stuff so all of this is just going off of 
you know, memory and, you know, what, what, what I do know about it. But certainly a team in the Big Ten that's a postseason team that used to play in the ACC, a, a team that's used to postseason. You know, a good Northern team uh, plays in a really good baseball conference, and uh, it, uh, it's, a good, it's going to be a little different look for us this weekend. And the pitching plan for tomorrow against Arkansas State? Yeah, you know, early on and kind of what we've talked about, uh, we haven't announced next uh, for the rotation yet for for the weekend. Uh, May hold off to do that after we get through tomorrow's game and stuff. Just trying to figure out, uh, you know, where what we do, you know, tomorrow and and who we use up. Uh, But we're going to start freshman JT Quinn uh, through one inning on Friday. Uh, uh, against Delaware, and we'll hopefully get to pitch some guys that haven't pitched yet. You know, Mason Nichols didn't get to pitch this weekend, uh, mm. uh, really probably because of some of those shortened games. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I think we got plenty of guys, but certainly you'll see, uh, uh, Quinn that'll start the game, and, uh, I think you'll see Takoyan in relief. Certainly Nichols has to get on the mound at some point tomorrow. And, uh, early on, I think that we, we need to run as many arms out there as possible, you know, over the next couple weeks to, uh, because we have so many new faces, you know, on the staff to, to see what they can do and try to get ready. You know, it's not spring training, as you know, we, we got to win these games, but we also got to get a good pitching plan by the time we get through these, you know, next three weeks. So, uh, we know who you know how that lines up with the roles for the bullpen against Vanderbilt. Congratulations on the sweep. Thanks for your time, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Hi, Richard. Thank you. That's Mike Bianco, head baseball coach, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Uh, head baseball coach at Old Miss, I should say. Uh, Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Take a timeout. Uh, a, a food weekend review from Polk's. A little clunky. Coming up next. Mississippi. Here's more Super Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Normally we have Food Fridays. Baseball interrupted that on Friday afternoon, and so we have a, uh, a bit of a weekend food review on this Monday, presented by Polk's Meat. You can visit them online at polksmeat.com. When you go to the grocery store and you head to the meat department, be sure that you are finding the Polk's Meat products. I'll tell you how popular they were in Oxford this weekend. There was one package of the Cajun smoked sausage and one package of the original smoked sausage in Polk's that was uh, left at Kroger yesterday. They both immediately went into my shopping basket and uh, were part of a little bit of a meal last night. It was good. Did like a big sausage and cheese board and then uh, threw a bunch of burgers on the grill. Uh, Really good night all the way around. Anyway, point being, uh, check out... Polksmeat.com, you can see the full line of products, 
And if you can't find Polk's Meat products at your local grocery store, find the meat department manager and tell them that uh, you would like for them to consider getting them because picky people pick Polk's. Hey, Dad, what did you discover was the best food remedy when you're on the shelf with the vid? Because you had a few days to uh, figure it out. Yeah, uh, you know, for the most part, it was just to eat a bowl of cereal. That was that was that was the uh, the first few days. But by Saturday, I was feeling good enough to to fire up the grill, which I did, and I did a pork butt on uh, on Saturday. Uh, that was a long process, it was about a ten and a half hour deal to get it where I wanted it, but I did. Um, and then I just for a side, I made a little faux jambalaya. I just got a box of Zatarans. And put that together with uh, some Polk's Cajun style smoked sausage. And, uh, I don't think Zatarans makes it faux. Zatarans jambalaya is good. I'm talking I about mean, I didn't I make it from scratch, the, like, though. I understand. Yeah. I don't think we have to knock but Zatarans, just, though. We're not, we're not knocking Zatarans. It, it's still good. But yeah. it's not, I'm not saying I, I I didn't take the time to like cook the rice and, and all this. You know, I just, but, okay. I used the box. Like, so, like, so, like, in the, the same way that. You don't like your faux do leather it. pants as much as you like your real leather pants, right? They may exactly. Still look when good, I put on, but they're not. When I, the I don't want to wear pleather, I want to wear leather. You know, mm-hmm. when I when it, I break actually, out the backless chaps, they are they are they are they are straight from the cow. They are not. They are not the fake one. I had to think of a way, term there. I was like, what would you call that? Backless. Go. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's pleather anymore. I think it's now vegan leather. I think that's how it's referred. <laughs> I'm not making. Well, I'm not that joking. Sounds, I, I promise. I'm I, not joking. I believe you. I believe you. That's fine. Oh Whatever. man, I forgot about anyway. a loser, and I'm not going to do that in this segment. But what you just said reminded me of anyway. something. Okay. Long day on the grill, but it came out really good. Had a great bark. Used the foil boat method for the first time. I thought that worked pretty good. So. Is that comparable to the banana hammock method, or what's the foil boat? It is not. Okay. A foil boat is you you wrap the the butt in foil, but you leave the top unwrapped, okay. so it still continues to smoke, get smoke, and build bark. But the inside is cooking quicker, and then whatever's you know whatever drains out of the pork butt, you've got it trapped, and you can just mix it back in when you pull the pork. I don't know if I, I need I need you to do a quick tutorial on, on something that yeah. that you do fairly regularly. Um, hmm? my, my friend. Dr. Reeves Moore, who has been on the show with us before, we've had fun talking yeah. to him about not had fun talking about injuries, but he's been an, uh, an expert. So we were talking last night, and he said, "I don't do wings well on the grill." He's like, "I mean, I can mm-hmm. do steaks, I can do burgers, I can do chicken breasts, I can do you know ribs, pork butts, whatever." He's like, "But I hadn't figured out how to do ri- wings well on the grill." I know that's in your wheelhouse, so I don't know if he's listening or not. He can go back and listen online. Quick list. Always podcast. Uh, the thing to remember with wings is it's almost you're not going to get fried skin when you cook on the grill. You just it's just not possible. Okay. It's just to get it as crispy as you can. I like I bought that little charcoal vortex a few years ago, and I still use it. I used it this weekend to set up the grill for the uh, the pork butt. But put that in the grill on in the grill and put your charcoal in there and get it super super hot as hot as it'll get, and you just put the wings around it. And when you do that, you don't have any worry about burning unless you're just not paying attention and you just walk away because they're just not over the fire. It's just like cooking in an oven, but you have the, the charcoal and you can put a, a, a piece of wood over that and it'll, it'll get some smoke. And, and that's what I do. And, you know, you, you get good bite through skin 
I, I do that not only just for wings, but that's how I just cook barbecue chicken now. Is I put that thing in there and I'll put some thighs and legs around it or some wings. I wouldn't do it with breasts, I don't think, because they're just so big. I don't know how long that would take. But when I do dark, yes, I know. When I do dark meat and 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 you know I do your legs and and, and thighs, I put those. Ar- you can't have a discussion about chicken without just going down the eighth grade play playground here. Uh, I do that. It, it just gets the skin as crispy as you can get it with with on the grill, and it cooks the chicken through, and you don't have to worry about burning it. You can do the cornmeal thing, which I've done a couple times, but I'm just I'd have, I'm just not a huge fan of it. I wonder if you're using, I mean, like a, a big green egg or a Komodo Joe or, or one of those, if you could use the same principle, still get that what, torpedo, is that what you called it? Vortex. Vortex. If you could do that and just still do your lump charcoal and that as opposed to having it spread out across the bed for, for kind of the same idea well it's not it's not spread out in the middle that's that's, no i'm saying the vortex is what you could use that the same way you do on a regular like on a weber with charcoal i don't see why not i'm sure you could yeah Yeah, i'm sure i don't see why you couldn't what about it this weekend Bort? didn't do much cooking honestly definitely not that but i did try the um it's an it's an online trend Uh, the accordion potatoes oh yeah seen this uh, waste of time. So, so you oh. cut your potatoes into into rectangles about that big, uh, half an inch thick, and you take two skewers and you cut them diagonally on one side, and then you flip it over and cut them straight across on the other. So it turns them into like an accordion that you can see through. And the idea is that there's more surface area when you fry them that makes them crunchy throughout. And maybe I screwed it up, or maybe I did it wrong, but it's like an incredibly popular TikTok and YouTube trend where all, all these people, when you have your steak, you got to have your accordion potatoes. And no, we, we've been doing them right for hundreds of years. It was a, a big waste of time and effort, honestly. Looks cool, though, online when you, when you move them around and make them look like an accordion. Other than that, waste of time. No, See, no... Ingredient gets more love on like TikTok for recipes than potatoes. Yeah. There are a million ways to make crispy potatoes on TikTok, and they're all pretty. They all look pretty good. Yeah. There you uh, there you go. You can send us what you did on the grill this weekend if you like. We can uh, try and squeeze some of those in in the final segment of the show. That's our weekend cooking. But I think I said it earlier. Did burgers? Um, called Greg at LBs and uh, got. I got six packages of burgers and ended up cooking five of them. Yeah, somebody and sent me a screenshot of your Instagram story and said Richard burnt the heck out of his burgers. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't. I did not at all. I think he was just—they may have looked like that, but they were great. <laughs> that was the biggest regret for last week being sick was not getting my care package from LBs. Oh yeah, I, I did text Greg and tell him that you were you were down for the count last week. We're gonna make it happen eventually. I'll get up there. Yeah. I didn't sell a remote up there, so I can do that. Um, somebody's asking you about the. Uh, they sent you a screenshot, trying to figure out if that's what they're supposed. I to sent do. them a link. I sent okay. them a link. That what there's what that is. That's a that's a chimney starter. A vortex is something that actually goes in the grill, goes under the 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 the, the grate. Very good. Good to know. Um, yeah, bur- I, and I did boring burgers. Borky says, you know. You gotta dress them up. I just did regular burgers. Worcestershire, Lowry's on the grill. 
Turned out great. Everybody liked him. He, maybe they were just being nice to me, but they weren't burned. I, I like I had a leftover one for lunch today. It was still good. Man, no, it, just a good grilled bird. You can't go wrong with that. But no, yeah. I'll, I'll put like uh, thinly chopped up bacon or something in mine. Maybe some shallots if I'm feeling. Yeah. Got to crack an I just, egg. I, I hate padding out burgers. I hate it. I don't want to buy ground beef and then make my own burgers. I like getting them where I can just pull them out and put them on the grill. So, lazy way to do it, but Ooh. nonetheless, a whole lot easier. Look at this picture um, from my buddy Lee Battle. Uh, venison backstrap? A whole venison backstrap, man. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Uh, smoke the wings and then put them in the air fryer to crisp the skin. It's cheating, but it works, okay? I do that. Man. Does LB's have plate lunches? They've stopped doing plate lunches. They're now doing TV dinners where you can kind of pick up a uh, a dinner to go. So that's uh, that's worth trying out. Uh, Dwayne did pork uh, enchiladas with Spanish rice and refried beans. Yum. Ooh. Yum. Uh, Debbie on the coast, stuffed food and mushrooms, bacon-wrapped asparagus, and good filet and ribeye on the big green egg. That looks wonderful. You said it was a gorgeous night on the coast. Man. I mean, that looks fantastic. Ribs on the pit barrel cooker in the outfield lounge at the Dude. That's uh, that's living right. That is absolutely living right. That is your Food Friday review meat Monday. on a Monday. It's a Meat Monday presented by Polk's and Polk's Meat. Find them online at polksmeat.com. And remember, when you go to the grocery store, look for Polk's because picky people pick Polk's. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. You still got plenty of time to register for the Morgan Wallen concert tickets. He's coming to Oxford Saturday and Sunday, April 22nd and 23rd. We've got a chance for you to win sweet seat tickets on Sunday, April 23rd. You got locations all across Mississippi where you can register. I'm going to give you the complete list. I hadn't done that yet. I'll give you quickly the complete list of places that you can register to win tickets. Waverly Boutique and Celebration Nutrition in Columbus. Cobalt's Boutique in Columbus. Hamilton Nutrition in Hamilton, Little Caesars Pizza in Brookhaven, the old Coke plant in Brookhaven, Be Quick Super Jack in Brookhaven, Watts Brothers in Columbia, Tack of the Town in Hazelhurst, Got Gear Motorsports in Ridgeland, Coburn's AC and Heat in Meridian, the Atrium Mini Mall in Meridian, Ramey's Market in Monticello, Sage and Willow Boutique in Corinth, Be Quick on Veterans in Macomb, Exhaust Pro in Macomb, Seals Tire and Auto Repair in Gulfport, Big Play Family Fun Center in Biloxi, Southern Business Supply in Meridian, Weathers Auto Supply in Oxford, Corinth, and Tupelo, Black Sheep Boutique in Tupelo, and Scruggs Farm and Lawn, uh, Farm, Lawn, and Garden in Tupelo. That is at the John Deere Service Desk. Our ticket giveaway is brought to you by First South Farm Credit, Jumpstart Text, uh, Test Prep, King's Daughters Medical Center, and Toyota of Brookhaven. Um, 
We had someone ask a second ago, thoughts on the week ahead for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And I don't know if we're talking basketball or baseball or all of the above. I mean, I'd venture to guess he's not talking about talking Ole Miss baseball. basketball. If, yeah, well, but it's a, it is a massive fun. week ahead for Mississippi State basketball. Correct. Oh, yeah. Road game tomorrow yeah. night against Missouri. Home game on mm-hmm. Saturday afternoon against Texas A&M. Joe Lenardi currently has Mississippi State as the first of the four last four in. They're on the mm-hmm. 43 seed line, which means currently they would be playing in Dayton in one of those first four mm-hmm. games. Uh, the SEC currently with a projected eight teams in the uh, in the field. So it's a lot. Two quad one opportunities for Mississippi State. You know, Texas A&M's net has creeped into the top thirty. Uh, they're twenty nine as of Sunday. I don't. I haven't checked it today. Uh, I don't know. Who, you can probably tell me who they play in the midweek. But assuming they win that game, they will. They will come to Starkville, a top thirty team, and give State a quad one opportunity. That's um, that's good stuff. The eight SEC teams. Alabama is a one seed, Tennessee is a three, A&M is an eight, Auburn is a nine, Missouri is a nine, Arkansas is a nine, Kentucky is a ten, and Mississippi State as an eleven. So, that's what Joe Lenardi says as of right now. What about the week ahead in baseball? Um, Ole Miss has got Arkansas State tomorrow afternoon, four o'clock first pitch, and then they've got a three-game series with Maryland this coming weekend. Uh, who's Mississippi State's midweek tomorrow? ULM. Tomorrow and Wednesday. Yeah, they have two games. Yeah. So Mississippi State will play five games in the next six six days. Six days. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to us now and a sport is covering your station up tomorrow, download the Super Talk app. It is free, and it doesn't really take a whole lot of storage either. It is a very... Um, unimposing app on your storage because I'm running up against a wall uh, so I know that myself download that app, you can listen live there or on the website supertalk.fm or if you have C Spire, I think channel 70 you can watch you can watch, you can also watch on the website as well, but listen and watch on the website supertalk.fm or on the app, of course we have a podcast as well, but yeah, if baseball or basketball is covering you up tomorrow. We're not gone. You just got to find us somewhere else. But we're there. I got an early start to the day tomorrow. 3 a.m. wake-up call. Got to leave the house at 3.30 for a, like a 5.40 flight. But Michael Borky and Brian Haydad will have you tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to check in. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a preview for Mississippi State and Missouri tomorrow afternoon uh, after both teams have their shoot-arounds and get a little little more idea of what the coaches are thinking about uh, that game and the importance of it. So we'll get into that tomorrow afternoon with, uh, with you as well. This was uh, Monday number one of the college baseball season. And so for the next 14, 15, maybe 16, 17 weekends, our, our Mondays, we will uh, we will talk with uh, Scott Barry in the three o'clock hour, Chris Lamonis in the four o'clock hour, Mike Bianco in the five o'clock hour. Um, really cool that uh, all three of them have been willing to continue to do that. 
Uh, baseball is such a big deal here in Mississippi, and we thank them, all three of them, for their time. And thank you for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. And by M-Trade Park. If you're going to play, play M-Trade. That's mtradepark.com. For Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.